I hope the snow's been good to everyone today. Uh, certainly a good excuse to spend time with family and uh, know my thankfulness. And hopefully each of us is thankful for the others' presence here today as well. Uh, I know the roads are not too good at the moment, so thanks for being here. At a large university graduation exercise, the university president rose to address the graduates and confer their degrees. And he began by explaining the meaning of the traditional Latin phrases that are used. So if a student graduates cum laude, it means, of course, with honors. If a student graduates magna cum laude, it means with high honors. And if a student graduates summa cum laude, it means with supreme honors. And then he said, there's a new honor that I plan to use in the future to be called magna cum pelidentium, which means by the skin of your teeth, <laughs> which is probably most of the graduating class. Well, as this season of Lent gets underway here on this first Sunday, you know, what is emphasized is the call to repentance. It's a time for us to Look at where we failed and try to clean that up. It's time to take stock of where we've been with our lives and, and hopefully where we're going with them as well. It's a time to evaluate our spiritual progress. And in doing so, it's a time to acknowledge that in the terms of our life, in the divinely created school of learning how to love, that we have yet to graduate with honors. And this call to repentance means that, that we're not on the level of a summa cum laude, or even a magna cum laude, or even a cum laude. Rather, we fall into that magna cum paladensium category. You know, just getting by, by the skin of our teeth. You know, we don't, none of us, including your priest, you know, don't come up to that having lived life with supreme honors. We're all struggling. And although we may be a little fuzzy on the true meaning of repentance, nevertheless, we can be very sure that it involves much more than making just a few minor adjustments in our lives. You know, real repentance penetrates the crust of piety that we wrap around ourselves to keep us from taking it seriously. Repentance reaches deep down in our soul and, and turns our lives upside down, and, but right side up for God. And repentance reverses our priorities. It, it upsets our uh, accustomed sense of value. It turns our pockets inside out. Repentance releases us from the shackles of our systems of security and uh, hangs us on that thin thread that we call the will of God. And for many of us, repentance is a word that belongs to yesterday. It's one of those slippery words. 
You know, we, we hear the word and we speak the word without attaching any real meaning to it in our lives. We get to the end of Lent and we've just kind of forgotten what we promised to do at the beginning of Lent. And there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with that. We have this vague understanding of repentance as something that we do when we've been caught at doing something bad. But repentance is far more than, far, far more than just blurting out, I'm sorry, when, when we get caught at doing what we do wrong. And for some, there is a vague understanding of repentance as the act of turning back to God after having turned away from God. For some of us, there is this vague understanding of repentance as involving a change in attitude or a change of mind or a turning over a new leaf. And there are certainly great elements of truth in all of that. The gospel truth is that genuine repentance means much more than just changing one's mind or feeling sorry for one's sins or telling God that we're on his side again. It's much more than just saying words is what I'm trying to say here. It's much more than just having feelings about repentance. You know, bearing fruit is the real sign of Repentance. You know, the evidence of repentance is to be found in the fruit that is brought forth from our lives. Repentance is a positive action, something that enhances our life and, and the very lives of others as well. According to an old story, there were two friends from boyhood who were sitting together at dinner drinking coffee. And one of them asks the other, why is it that you never got married? Well, came the reply, to tell you the truth, I've spent my entire youth looking for the perfect woman. In San Francisco, I met a beautiful and intelligent woman with eyes like dark olives, but she was unkind. In Montreal, I met a woman who was a kindly person, but we didn't have any kind, common interests. And over the years, I met one woman after another who seemed just right, but there would always be something missing. And then one day, I met her. She was intelligent, she was generous, she was kind. We had everything in common. In fact, she was perfect. And the other man was puzzled. He said, what happened? Why didn't you marry her? Sad to say, the other man replied, it seems she was looking for the perfect man. Precisely because none of us is perfect, Biblical call to repentance is consistent, and it is constant, and it is unrelenting. Nobody 
is perfect. We, we don't reach that state until we enter into heaven. Neither the perfect man nor the perfect woman has ever entered this church or any other church. Neither the perfect pastor nor the perfect preacher has ever entered this church, I can assure you. And none of us can live up to our God-given potential to enrich our lives and the lives of others unless we are willing to admit that and willing to do the changing. And the time has come. Jesus says that to us in the gospel today. He says, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent, repent, and believe the good news. These are the very first words that are spoken by Jesus in the gospel of Mark. This statement represents the spirit of his entire ministry, a series of demands for us, for rebirth, for renewal in our lives. In all of his preaching and teaching, Jesus consistently calls for what? For for a change of heart. Not just something on the surface, but something that reaches deep down beneath the surface. You know, changing the, the fad, the, the fashion of our lives. Jesus calls for a change so radical, so profound, as to convert his followers into loving witnesses to the coming of the kingdom of God, which he came to proclaim. And it's not just about working on ourselves and what needs to be changed there, but, but when that begins to happen in our lives, think of the, the beauty that goes out then into the world and changes it and draws others to the Lord as well. And we're called to do these things consistently, which means work on it for an entire lifetime of, of being dedicated to change. But never are we fully equal to the challenge. Always there is need to reorder our lives. The kingdom of God, Jesus tells us, is within us. The kingdom of God lives right here. But we have to work on letting it out. Of letting it come forth in love for all others whom we meet. Jesus asks us to recognize this deep presence that is within our hearts. And he asks us to rise above the doubts and the difficulties and the fears that are constant companions of deep-seated change. We're scared to death to do that. But he asks us with gentleness to do it. The Apostle Peter has written of Christ. He says, in the body, he was put to death. In the spirit, he was raised to life. And that spirit, dear sisters and brothers, that spirit in Christ is the spirit of God, is the spirit of love. 
And to know this God of love is to experience his love for you and for all of your brothers and sisters here and there and everywhere. And to act accordingly is to love all of those sisters and brothers here and there and everywhere. Because, because why? Because God has loved us first, because God has loved them first as well. 